Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist. You can find me at thesuccessalchemist.net on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist, on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. Today is the 24th of February, 2024, and the title of today's show is Breathtaking or Brainwashing? The History of Mind Control, God Wins. So last week, I actually covered the history of the censorship industrial complex, which was a series of articles by Michael Schellenberger, and Matt Taby. This week, I came across a very interesting article which goes into the history of mind control and the organizations that are or were behind it. And before I get into that article, I just want to give you an example of the kind of mind control that we're being subjected to on a day-to-day basis. And this relates to a TV series which was launched on the 19th and it's called Breathtaking. And it's a three-part series talking about what happened in hospitals during COVID-19. And these are UK hospitals, of course, um, run by the NHS, the National Health Service. But it's had interesting opposing views about it, of course, The uh, controlled mainstream media have been drooling over how typical it is of what happened in the hospitals. But it's very different from what people who are awake are saying about this, that it's basically propaganda. And I would uh, hasten to add that it's possibly just pushing out more fear porn to get people to comply when they put out the next scamdemic or plandemic of, no doubt, disease X, Y, or Z. So it's a very interesting um, contrast between the views. I'm not going to um, insult you by (laughs) putting out the mainstream media reviews of it because of course it's just pushing and pushing this false idea that it was a pandemic which it clearly wasn't. Um, I am going to share a tweet from Dame Abby Roberts and she gives it a really good hammering Um, and interestingly she uses the hashtag piss-taking and others are using the hashtag brainwashing. And so on this tweet, or post on X, I should say, um, she's got a screenshot of a GB News uh, tweet, what did you make of the ITV COVID drama? And the title of the GB News article is ITV's breathtaking branded unrealistic as furious viewers claim broadcaster failed. But then we also have Abby Roberts saying propaganda from start to finish. It's an insult to the truth, which is that the NHS became a barbaric institution hell-bent on making everything about fear. They shut their doors to those with cancer and many other life-threatening conditions and became monsters. Thousands were murdered by midazolam, morphine and ventilators. People died at home because they were told not to go to hospital. People died alone because these CUNTs prevented the most basic of human rights. 
Then they coerced all ages into having an experimental vaccine and many enjoyed the power they wielded over the public. NHS staff were told that they would be sacked if they didn't get the injections, which meant those who stood up to the insanity lost their jobs, their homes, and in some cases, their lives. Alternative treatments were laughed at, and those of us who were trying to pull back from the mania were ostracised and vilified. The NHS shoved harmful swabs up people's noses and down their throats, which were pointless tests that continued the brutal pantomime and insisted on filthy rags being put on faces, which did nothing but make people more ill and more afraid. All the while, the public was subjected to TikTok dances during a supposedly deadly plague, for fuck's sake. If there's any justice, the medical profession will go on public trial and answer to their unspeakable crimes. They are guilty of completely abandoning their basic tenet, first do no harm. If you want the truth, stop watching ITV, BBC, Channel 4, Channel 5. One thing she didn't mention in that tweet is that there are quite a number of people who have posted videos on Twitter showing that these hospitals that were supposedly overrun were absolutely empty during the supposed pandemic. On top of that, we now have a report by Dr. Wilson Sy, who has shown that UK excess deaths correlate to lethal midazolam injections. And this is on Substack by Majid Nawaz, and it reads... This new academic paper has found a statistically significant, very high correlation between UK excess deaths and the use of death row drug midazolam used in NHS end-of-life care death protocol. Dr. Wilson Sy pulls no punches, stating that these excess deaths were wrongly attributed to COVID, but statistically correlate instead to health professionals injecting patients with death row drug midazolam in what appears to be a possible policy of systemic euthanasia of our elderly and disabled in care homes. Dr. Sai also says the UK COVID-19 pandemic was iatrogenic, i.e. deaths caused by the medical intervention itself. Created with widespread and persistent use of midazolam injections in all regions of England, particularly in care homes under a systemic policy of euthanasia, the nature of the euthanasia needs further investigation. The implications of Dr. Wilson's size research is that every 2020 death that was marked as covid was instead a non-COVID death caused by a deliberate state policy of overdosing our elderly and vulnerable with death row drug midazolam so that they would no longer be a financial burden on the system, the NHS and pension funds. So it's another challenge to the whole pandemic lie, of course, and um, one cause of excess deaths in the UK, although... He doesn't deny that there would have been excess deaths from vaccination and other comorbidities. But it tells a very different story to this uh, fabricated story in this uh, breathtaking series. And it's breathtaking how much propaganda is in there. Earlier today, I saw a video on Twitter, which was by a guy who was a medic in the NHS, and he was specifically calling out this horrendous scene in the TV series, showing uh, ambulance uh, workers, um, first responders, as it were, who were saying they couldn't resuscitate a patient because they didn't have the right PPE, the personal protection equipment. And this medic was calling out this as completely false because 
there is no way that um, ambulance people, uh, medical professionals would not resuscitate a patient that was at death's door. And yet in this scene in the series, they basically um, supposedly leave this person to die in the ambulance. Another reason to be concerned about this series is that you've got people literally suffering PTSD from seeing this played out again when they were having to deal with lockdowns and all the fear-mongering that was done at the time. And as I said a few minutes ago, I do believe this is trying to get people into a state of fear yet again so that they'll comply with even more extreme reactions to another pandemic. And the absolutely farcical COVID-19 committee in the UK, they were basically getting people in to testify who would really just repeat the usual propaganda about it um, to the effect that they should have locked down harder and in fact have now said they will not conduct um, COVID-19 vaccination inquiry until the next general election. So they're obviously trying to do a major cover-up of what politicians and the medical professionals did to the population of the UK. And of course, it was the same playbook worldwide. But people are more and more waking up to this and are just not tolerating this self-serving narrative. So now, after looking at this propaganda example, let's have a deeper look into the propaganda industrial complex. And this is titled The Tavistock Institute. And it's by Eric Carlson, published on badlands.substack.com, Creating a Mind Control Culture Weapon. And it was published 23rd of February. Now, this is a really long article, but I do think it's worth understanding how this all came about, just like we found out last week about the censorship industrial complex. Have you ever wondered why certain things suddenly become a hot topic, seemingly out of nowhere? How one day you woke up and everyone was arguing about transgenderism or people were supergluing themselves to the road to protest climate change? Or how one day flash mob department store robberies started to occur and no one would even attempt to stop them. You could even look at changes that have occurred more slowly over time in America, like the abandonment of God in a society or the destruction of family. One could look at these things and assume times are changing and that it has all occurred organically. The truth is that none of it is organic and that all of it has been carefully and meticulously planned out in a think tank by the elites. Culture is manipulated, used as a weapon to control populations. Some reading this won't believe some of the things I'm going to present, not because there isn't enough evidence to at least consider it, or because it doesn't line up with everything else one already understands about the cabal that runs the world. Some will likely reject some of the claims I present because they don't want to believe it. They want to protect the culture they know, kind of like how Lionel and Joyce Dahmer didn't want to believe their son ate people. Last summer, one couldn't avoid hearing about Taylor Swift and her sold-out concerts, how she was single-handedly keeping the economy afloat with her megatour, I said to my wife during the summer, have you noticed how Taylor Swift is being pushed so hard on us this summer? She said she's really popular, to which I responded that she's been around for 17 years and all of a sudden she is everywhere. I was able to avoid her for 17 years, but now it's impossible. She's in my face everywhere I turn. I said something is up with her. There's a reason she is currently pushed so hard. In early September, I sat down with my wife to watch the first game of the NFL season. I fully expected to see a massive number of commercials with Super Bowl winning quarterback Patrick Mahomes. 
But what I didn't expect to see was even more commercials starring his tight end, Travis Kelsey. He was literally on every other commercial they showed during the game. I said to my wife, something is up with Kelsey. There is a reason they are pushing him so hard. The next week, Kelsey starred in a Pfizer vaccine ad. Ah, I knew something was up with him. The same week, Amazon Prime released a documentary called Kelsey about Travis and his brother, who also plays in the NFL. Then it was announced that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift were dating. She was showing up to all his games and the camera panned to her in her suite whenever Kelsey did anything. Two-yard reception equals shot of Swift. At this point, it all came together for me. They were being hyped up to eventually throw their support to dementia patient Joe Biden. Later, I discovered that George Soros bought Swift's music catalogue and she would likely do anything to get it back. More recently, I discovered that our government is going to fund a movie that Travis Kelsey wants to make. When and where did all this culture manipulation start? In the late 1800s and early 1900s, psychology as a medical field really took off. While the original intent of it may or may not have been to heal people's minds, it quickly became apparent that psychological techniques could also be used to manipulate and control people. Sigmund Freud was an early pioneer in psychoanalysis. His nephew, Edward Bernays, used psychological techniques he learned from his uncle to create the field of PR, public relations, as well as modern advertising. Would you be shocked if I told you that Bernays has a great nephew named Mark Randolph, who went on to be a co-founder and the first CEO of a company called Netflix? Yes, that Netflix, the one that eventually went on to produce woke material with the Obamas as board members. All a coincidence, of course. Freud's descendant teaming with the Obamas to create woke material, including the normalization of pedophilia. With the dawning of the field of psychology and more and more efforts and resources going into understanding the human mind, World War I occurred. As many know, a big part of the war was fought in trenches, bombs exploding while soldiers took shelter and safety. As a result of this war, many soldiers suffered from shell shock, or what we call today PTSD. Symptoms of shell shock include tremors, loss of sight or hearing, and extreme fatigue. The trauma basically incapacitated many soldiers. I should take a step back and explain that most countries wanted to stay out of the Great War, including the US. Great Britain needed help. How could they convince other nations like the US to join with them to defeat Germany? In stepped the Wellington House in 1914, also known as Britain's War Propaganda Bureau. Future Prime Minister David Lloyd George appointed the writer and fellow Liberal Member of Parliament, Charles Masterman, to head the organisation. The operation was located in the Wellington House in London. Masterman invited 25 leading British authors to discuss the best ways of promoting Britain's interests during the war. Their biggest focus was to lure in America. Famous British authors who attended included Arthur Conan Doyle, G.K. Chesterton, Thomas Hardy, H.G. Wells and invited but unable to attend Rudyard Kipling. Sorry if this destroys anyone's illusions of their favourite British authors, but some were commissioned to create propaganda. War of the Worlds, for example, was written in 1898. Orson Welles famously read an adaptation of the book on the radio in 1938. Why? In my opinion, to see how effectively propaganda could be used to create trauma. England and France declared war on Germany the following year. Propaganda was created by some of the greatest literary minds in England and distributed throughout the world. Again, their main focus was convincing Americans that they should ally with Great Britain to defeat Germany. Propaganda is mind control. The Bureau operated under the supervision of the Foreign Office, MI6. 
from Wikipedia, which, of course, we don't trust, but anyway. The Secret Intelligence Service, SIS, commonly known as MI6, Military Intelligence Section 6, is the Foreign Intelligence Service of the United Kingdom, tasked mainly with the covert overseas collection and analysis of human intelligence on foreign nationals in support of its Five Eyes partners. SIS is one of the British intelligence agencies and the chief of the Secret Intelligence Service, C, is directly accountable to the Foreign Secretary. Formed in 1909 as the Foreign Section of the Secret Service Bureau, the section grew greatly during the First World War. Arthur Balfour became Foreign Secretary in 1916. His name is probably familiar to many reading this. He penned the Balfour Declaration, which was a promise to Lord Rothschild that England would create the State of Israel. Most are probably unaware that Balfour was in charge of the world's greatest spy service at the time. Documents have recently been released showing that Obama worked with the England and the Five Eyes Nations to spy on Trump going back to 2016 when he was still just a presidential candidate. I would argue that America has been overseen by British intelligence agencies since the forming of MI6, Britain's War Propaganda Bureau, and eventually the Tavistock Institute. The Tavistock Clinic. As the story goes, the Tavistock Clinic was formed in 1920 in London, England, to research and treat victims of shell shock that occurred during the First World War. The clinic was headed by a psychiatrist named Hugh Crichton Miller. Crichton Miller was heavily influenced by the founder of analytical psychology, Carl Gustav Jung. Crichton Miller had made a name for himself for developing psychological treatments for shell-shocked soldiers during and after the First World War. Yet the first patient treated at the clinic was in fact a child. Trauma-based mental disorders. Trauma-based trauma-based mind control. I think you see where I'm going with this. Through the research and treatment of trauma-based mental disorders, psychiatrists discovered that trauma could be used to control people's minds. Trauma could be used on micro and macro levels. On a micro level, people could be brought into a clinical setting and exposed to trauma, drugs, LSD, and other psychological techniques, creating a mind-controlled person. The Tavistock program led to the CIA's MKUltra program in the United States starting in 1953. Aldous Huxley, the author of A Brave New World, a British author, is said to be the person who introduced America to LSD. On a macro level, it was discovered trauma could be used effectively on the masses as well, constantly pushing fear on the general public through the media with periodic traumatic events leading to a population that is mind-controlled through fear. The JFK assassination, 9-11, COVID, all events had opened portals into the human mind to allow more mind-control through fear narratives that followed each event. Narratives like climate change and transgenderism got their starts and continued push through Tavistock think tanks. None of the woke craziness experienced in America is organic, and none of it actually originated in America. Don't believe me? How's this for proof? From an independent article published on 8th of November 2022, independent being one of the UK newspapers. Tavistock Gender Clinic facing legal action over failure of care claims. Clinic accused of rushing children into taking life-altering puberty blockers without adequate consideration or proper diagnosis. The Tavistock Gender Identity Clinic is facing legal action over claims children were misdiagnosed and rushed into transitioning at a young age. The clinic, which is being shut down by NHS England, was criticised by an independent review for the quality of care and services provided to patients who were predominantly young teenagers expressing an interest in gender transitioning. Staff, patients and parents have raised concerns that young people using the service 
were put on the pathway to transitioning too early and before they had been properly assessed. It is alleged children were rushed into taking life-altering puberty blockers without adequate consideration or proper diagnosis, with staff under pressure to adopt an unquestioning affirmative approach. Mass legal action is now being pursued by lawyers against the clinic named the Gender and Identity Development Service, GIDS, which has treated 19,000 children with gender dysphoria since 1989. An important fact left out here is that the vast majority, almost all of these 19,000 transitions, occurred between 2012 and the close of the Gender Identity Clinic in 2022. Essentially, between 1989 to 2012, research was being done Then in 2012, the rubber hit the road and the big push for transitioning occurred. Interesting that at the end of 2012, Obama repealed the Smith-Munt Act of 1948, allowing propaganda against Americans to become legal again. Immediately following this, transgender bathrooms became a hot topic in the U.S., Coincidence? I believe it was at this time that the transgender narrative was dropped on the US, created to divide and confuse America. Many other institutes spawned from and are connected to Tavistock. The Frankfurt School started in 1923 and the Stanford Research Institute was established in 1946, the year after World War II ended. It is said that the concept of a colour revolution started at the Frankfurt School. The backbone of a colour revolution is to overthrow a government through the use of propaganda. It is also said that the concept of political correctness was created at the Frankfurt School, created to divide a nation, making it weak. Political correctness was dropped on US universities in the early 1990s and led to the wokeism we know today. The Stanford Research Institute has taken on the bulk of culture manipulation in America today, including manipulating the American school system. Let me give you an example of how culture manipulation has worked in America over the past 30 years. 30 years ago, political correctness invaded the US. Most of Generation X was in their 20s when it came. The next generation, the millennials, were very young to teens, and the following generation, Generation Z, or Z, was not born yet. Just for reference, ages 0 to 7 are extremely influential ages for humans, while ages 8 to 25 are progressively less influential. By age 25, the human brain is fully developed and more difficult to manipulate. Now let's look at these three generations and how they sexually identify. According to a 2022 Gallup poll, 3.3% of Gen X identify as LGBT, with 11.2% for the millennials and a whopping 19.7% for Gen Z. How is it possible for biology and genetics to change this fast and this drastically? The answer is it's impossible, not to mention people who identify as LGBT tend to have fewer children, which means the LGBT gene will be less likely to be passed on. The only explanation is that identifying as LGBT is up 600% in three generations because of influence put on people. An important thing to factor in is that this is how each generation identifies today, not 15 or 30 years ago, but today. Another thing to understand is that Tavistock and its founders are big proponents of eugenics, population control. Most of Gen X was in their 20s when political correctness started, and 3.3% identify as being LGBT. Millennials were very young to teens, and 11.2% identify as being LGBT. All of Gen Z were born into political correctness and even wokeness in some cases, and 19.7% identify as being LGBT. 
In short, the age in which one is influenced greatly determines how influenced they will become. I could do the same for climate change and the fear of it. The age one is when exposed to the climate change propaganda greatly determines how much one fears it. There are always exceptions. Some younger people are less influenced and some older people are more influenced. But generally speaking, the statistics show the age one is when first influenced plays a big role in moulding one's beliefs and perceptions. The Tavistock Institute, again from Wikipedia, the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations is a British not-for-profit organisation that applies social science to contemporary issues and problems. It was initiated in 1946 when it developed from the Tavistock Clinic and was formally established as a separate entity in September 1947. The journal Human Relations is published on behalf of the Tavistock Institute by Sage Publications. The institute is located in G Street in Clerkenwell, London. The Tavistock Institute engages in educational, research, consultancy, project evaluation and professional development work founded on methodologies drawn from social sciences and applied psychology. The Institute's website describes its work as having a focus on how humans relate to each other and non-human systems, how people grow in character and are affected by learning, creativity and change. The transition from a clinic to treat soldiers with shell shock to an influential think tank couldn't have happened without major financial donations from the Rocker family. Yes, that cabal family. Prior to the Tavistock Institute, the Tavistock Clinic was funded by the Rothschild and British royal families. Yes, those cabal families. Key figures that transitioned from the clinic to the institute include British military psychiatrist John Rawlings Rees. A famous quote from Rees, Public life, politics and industry should all of them be within our sphere of influence. If we are to infiltrate the professional and social activities of other people, I think we must imitate the totalitarians and organise some kind of fifth column activity. If better ideas on mental health are to progress and spread, we as the salesmen must lose our identity. Let us all therefore very secretly be fifth columnists, end quote. Another key figure that transitioned into the think tank was German-American psychologist Kurt Lewin. Lewin is often recognised as the founder of social psychology and was one of the first to study group dynamics and organisational development. Lewin developed a model in the 1940s which is regarded as a cornerstone for understanding organisational change. He saw this as a three-stage process which he likened to melting a block of ice and refreezing it in a different shape. Social engineering, changing a population's belief system through societal pressure, peer pressure, forcing individuals to abandon their beliefs to fit in with society's perceived beliefs, melting the ice and reshaping it into the mould they choose. In other words, mind control. With children, the ice doesn't even have to be melted and then reshaped. Creating culture. Former MI6 intelligence agent John Coleman has spilled the beans on Tavistock and how it has manipulated culture and perceptions. Coleman claims pretty much every aspect of the American culture over the past century has been directly manipulated by Tavistock and its subsidiaries. According to Coleman, the CIA was founded and is run on the guidelines set up by the Tavistock Institute. All Tavistock and American Foundation techniques have one goal, to break down the psychological strength of the individual and render him helpless to oppose the dictators of the world order. The breakdown of the family, religion, patriotism and the promotion of sexually deviant behaviour are all tools used as weapons of control. Freudian psychotherapy techniques are used to create permanent mental illness in some. 
Henry Kissinger was a student of John Rawlings Rees, one of the influential founding members of Tavistock. Through Tavistock, the Stanford Research Institute controls America's National Education Association. The goal of the American education system is to create easily controlled people trained not to be independent thinkers. John Coleman believes the 1960s American counterculture revolution was created by Tavistock and funded and put into action by the CIA. The use of LSD as, as a part of mind control started in the Tavistock Clinic, was used in the 1950s in the CIA's MK Ultra Mind Control Program, then let loose on young Americans in the 1960s. Coleman claims the Tavistock Institute operates on an annual budget in the billions and that it and all its subsidiaries are fully funded by US taxpayers. Now for the controversial part, Coleman claims the bands The Beatles, The Rolling Stones and The Grateful Dead are all Tavistock creations. He claims Theodore Adorno, a musicologist and social theorist and leading member of Tavistock stroke Frankfurt School, wrote all the Beatles' music and lyrics. But why? To create the 1960s American counterculture. If one thinks about it, the 1950s and 1960s were so different from each other, how could it have happened so fast and so drastically if it wasn't a part of an organised plan to create a change? The decade of the 1960s created massive division in America, division between races, sexes, ages, moral values and political views. Similar claims have been made by Dave McGowan in his excellent book, Weird Scenes Inside Canyon, where he makes it as clear as day that the CIA and military intelligence were connected to many of the rock bands that came out of the Laurel Canyon, California area in the 1960s. In 1962, the Beatles signed with AMI Records, which is claimed to be run by Tavistock. In 1967, the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein, killed himself. In 1968, their lawyer, David Jacobs, killed himself. In 1969, Theodore Adorno, the Tavistock-Frankfurt musicologist, who is claimed to have written all of the Beatles songs, died. In the same year of Adorno's death, the Beatles' music rights, Northern Songs, were sold from under Paul McCartney and John Lennon's noses to a company called ATV, Associated Television. In the spring of 1970, McCartney announced the Beatles had broken up. In 1985, Michael Jackson bought the Beatles catalogue from ATV. To add insult to injury, it is also claimed that Tavistock paid local high school girls to show up at the airport and scream when the Beatles first came to America. I always thought girls' reactions to the Beatles in the early to mid-1960s kind of seemed a bit like mind control. If the story is true, it makes sense that paying girls to scream conditions other girls how to act. I honestly don't care if people believe bands like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones were created by Tavistock to change culture. It's pretty clear to me that concepts like gender dysphoria LGBTQ plus worship, wokeism and climate change hysteria were planned out in think tanks used to create division as well as mental disorders in some. The evidence shows we've been manipulated and are still being manipulated into changing what we believe and how we think and react. Hopefully everyone reading this is thinking, uh, obviously, if our culture hasn't been manipulated to create a state of mind control, how does one explain so many young people wanting to change their sex in the past 10 years, or parents voluntarily subjecting their children to drag queen strip shows, or the panic over weather? How does one explain a population of people who stand by and do nothing while their government does the opposite of what they ask them to do? And the most strange of them all, how does one explain teenage girls in the 1960s screaming for Ringo Starr? I can agree with that one. Meanwhile, 
lawfare continues against Trump. And there have been several memes on Twitter saying if Joe Biden really did win 81 million votes, why are they so shit scared about Trump getting back into the White House? Surely with so many followers and supporters, he would win the 2024 election easily. But obviously the narrative is shaping up much more to be that Biden is mentally incompetent to run again. So we'll have to wait and see if they do a bait and switch of uh, candidates getting closer to the November election. Um, in the meantime, um, the Daily Signal has a, an op-ed from uh, Victor Davis Hansen, Blue Laws for Red Citizens, and he lays out in great detail the discrepancy between how uh, Democrats are treated versus how uh, Donald Trump is treated, our true president. One state prosecutor and one civilian plaintiff have already won huge fines and damages from former President Donald Trump that may, with legal costs, exceed $500 million. Trump awaits further civil and criminal liability in three other federal, state and local indictments. There are eerie commonalities in all these five court cases involving plaintiff E. Jean Carroll, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, New York Attorney General Letitia James, Federal Special Counsel Jack Smith and Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. One, the prosecutors are either unapologetically left-wing or associated with liberal causes. They filed their legal writs in big city left-wing America, Atlanta, New York, Washington, where liberal judges and jury pools predominate in a manner not characteristic of the country at large. Two, the cases are overtly political. Bragg, James and Willis have either campaigned for office or raised campaign funds by promising to get or even destroy Trump. Carroll's suit was funded by left-wing billionaire Reid Hoffman. Smith sued to rush his court schedule in hopes of putting Trump on trial before the November election. Three, there would not be any of these cases had Trump not run for the presidency or not been a conservative. Carroll's suit bypassed statute of limitation restrictions by prompting the intervention of a left-wing New York legislator. He passed a special bill allowing a one-year window to waive the statute of limitations for sexual assault claims from decades past. Unlike Trump, no New York prosecutor like James had ever filed a civil lawsuit against a business for allegedly overvaluing real estate assets to obtain loans that bank auditors approved and were paid back in full, on time and with sizable interest profits to the lending institutions. Bragg bootstrapped a private non-disclosure agreement with Trump into a federal campaign violation in a desperate effort to find something on the former president. Smith is also charging Trump with insurrectionary activity, but Trump has never been charged with insurrection and much less convicted of it. Willis strained to find a way to criminalise Trump's complaints about his loss of Georgia in the 2020 national election. She finally came up with a racketeering charge, usually more applicable to mafiosi and drug cartels. For, in all these cases, the charges could have been equally applicable to fellow left-wing public figures and officials. President Joe Biden, like Trump, was accused of sexual assault decades earlier by former staffer Tara Reid. Yet Reid was torn apart by the media and the left for inconsistencies in her memory. By contrast, the wildly inconsistent and amnesiac Carol won $83 million from Trump. Smith created the precedent of charging Trump for unlawfully removing classified files and taking them to his private residence. But the government simultaneously did not charge Biden for similar offences. Yet Biden had removed files not for two years, but for more than 30. He stored them not in one location, but several. 
Biden's rickety garage was a mess, not a secure family compound like Trump's Florida estate. Moreover, Biden did so while a senator and vice president, without any presidential authority to declassify almost any presidential document he wished. Biden never came forward to report the crime for over 30 years until Trump was charged. Indeed, Biden was caught on tape six years ago admitting to his ghostwriter that he possessed classified files but never reported it. Bragg might have noticed that both Hillary Clinton fined $113,000 and Barack Obama fined $350,000 broke campaign financing laws. Neither was subject to federal criminal charges by local prosecutors. An array of left-wing celebrities, politicians, 2004 House members, former Senator Barbara Boxer, Democrat California, and failed Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams, all recently challenged the results of elections. They sought either to delay or redo ballot counting or, on the federal level, to sidetrack electors to ignore popular votes in their respective states. These lawfare cases are part of other efforts that were highly partisan and without merit. Recall the Trump-Russian collusion hoax and the Russian disinformation farce over Hunter Biden's laptop. In another first, some blue states are suing to take Trump's name off the ballot for insurrection, a crime for which he has never been charged. Total up the deaths, damage and length of the summer 2020 Antifa stroke Black Lives Matter riots. Then compare the tally to the one-day Capitol riot on January 6, 2021. The former proved far more lethal, long-lasting and destructive Yet very few of the 14,000 arrested rioters in 2020 were ever prosecuted, much less convicted. By contrast, the Biden administration sought to jail hundreds for crimes allegedly committed January 6th, such as illegal parading. We are entering a dangerous era in America. Ideology and party affiliations increasingly determine guilt and punishment. Opponents are first targeted and then laws are twisted and redefined to convict them. The left is waging lawfare with the implicit message to political opponents, either keep quiet or suffer the consequences. While I agree with his analysis of the comparison between the way that Trump has been treated and people on the opposite side of the aisle... I would have to say that I don't believe we're un entering a dangerous era in America. I think we've been in one for many years, to be honest, uh, with the cabal trying to take over more and more, not only the US, but the Western countries around the world. But I think the panic is just so obvious now the Democrats are threatening not to certify the 2024 election if Trump wins. They're trying to resurrect this Russian collusion fake narrative, which is failing miserably. To quote my version of the quote from Apocalypse Now, I love the smell of panic in the morning. What Victor David Hansen didn't mention was that a couple of these lawsuits are falling apart. Uh, the Fannie Willis case in Fulton County, uh, where she is under investigation for her conduct with um, Wade, her supposed boyfriend, Nathan Wade. Well, it seems that President Trump's lawyers subpoenaed um, Wade's cell phone records, which actually show that they were in a relationship before the date that they both stated, Wade and, and Fanny Willis, uh, as being in 2022. They found a cell phone record showing that Nathan Wade spent at least two nights at Fanny Willis's home. So that's blown that one out of the water. And then in New York, the with the Ergeron um, judge fining Trump this horrendous 
amount, 350 something million, I think it is, but it goes up to something like 446 million with the interest on it. Um, now we've got major real estate investors and others saying they will just not do business with New York at all. So I think they've really not only shot themselves in the foot, but shot themselves in the head with this because, you know, big corporations are going to be leaving in droves and they won't be replaced because investors will not risk this same lawfare being waged against them. I'm just going to share a couple of other encouragements before I finish today. I'm going to start with the opening of Ben Fulford's weekly report. And of course, that's always published on a Monday. So it was from February 19th. With a big push now, we can finish off the Satanists forever. The satanic Khazarian mafia ruling class of the West is more vulnerable than it ever has been in its history. This is because a critical mass of people has awakened to the fact our governments are our mortal enemies. With a big push by the White Hat military, together with farmers, truckers and ordinary citizens, we can remove them from power and bring them to justice. He then goes on to list out a whole host of things that the KM, the Cabal, are trying desperately to do to prevent their takedown. But the message is that, you know, the the people are now waking up and they're not going to tolerate this. and They're not going to win, which is very encouraging, I must say. Pepe Lies Matter has a nice message for us as well. And this is on Substack, uh, Pepe's friend zone. Hope through the process. God wins. Someone mentioned to me about hoping that this weekend was the big weekend that they all publicly fall. And I just wanted to point out something that helps me during this long distance race. Bear in mind, this was actually published today, so it's right up to date. Not latching onto a specific date, rather focus on what God has called each of us to do, doing that to the best of our ability and then resting in him, knowing that he has an incredible plan for the world, despite any growing pains we currently experience. Hope through the process. If we guard our minds while continuing to grow in wisdom and maturity, surely we can be confident and continue in this journey with zero regrets. We've all witnessed this firsthand. The public awareness, the public consciousness of the truths necessary to render their psyops useless has risen drastically over the course of the last four years. This is an inexorable fact. And we all have been given the privilege of planting those seeds, watering them and watching them grow. Once the public understands who these people are to their core, sick, they will simply stop listening to their propaganda. Manipulating an awake person is no easy task. They feasted on our ignorance, but no longer. Think about how valuable it was to be a conspiracy theorist during the pandemic, and you'll understand what I'm saying here. But this goes deeper than that. We are essentially seeing through so much more now. Our ability to sense BS kicks in instantaneously with every new event. This is an incredible sign for all of us. Don't think of when is it going to happen as much as the fact that it is happening. The first step in God's plan for this generation seems to have always been the great awakening. What he decides to do next is not up to us, but we are witness to an incredible time to be alive. Anything can happen, and that's a freeing thought. Once we stop putting limits on what we think God might or might not do, we are along for the ride, doing our part where he calls and resting in the chaos during the storms. More peace, more red pills, fewer date predictions, less worry. God's got this. He's up to something amazing. All you have to do is look in the right places to see his hand at work. Keep your thoughts on this when you become disheartened and focus on perfecting your peace, your rest, and the art, job, calling, or task 
he is asking you to do. All shall be well, better than that even. The populace is waking up. Let's see what God does with it. And I agree. Everything the deep state has attempted to establish their new world order is falling apart. Climate change, the attack on farming, mass illegal immigration, COVID-vax demicide. It's all being exposed and more and more people are waking up and refusing to comply. We're seeing all sorts of big reveals going on, particularly in relation to the deaths related to the COVID so-called vaccine that's being spread from the UK and New Zealand and by all the doctors that have stood up and called out the mRNA kill shots. People are seeing the destructive influence of all these illegal Muslim, particularly Islamic migrants, illegal immigrants that are flooding the UK, the European countries, the US as well, of course, although in the US there are many more illegal immigrants from other nationalities that are coming into the US. And it was even admitted that the US is in danger of a major terrorist attack. We also have farmers in many European countries protesting, including now England and Wales, but also in Greece, in Spain, in France, in Germany and many others against this WEF agenda to stop people eating meat and having them eating insects instead. And as for climate change, it's being seen as an attempt by the WEF to impoverished nations with this insane net zero agenda. And if you think about it, weather forecasters can hardly get things right a week from today, let alone um, decades claiming climate change. And they've been wrong for decades about all of this. The WHO has admitted that their attempt to push through this pandemic treaty is failing because people are standing up to it. And as I said at the beginning of the show, this ridiculous show, Breathtaking, is just an attempt to um, push fear porn on people in advance of the pandemic that the WHO is pushing. And it's not going to work. It's failing miserably. So as I've said many times, the great reveal has become the great rebound because everything they've tried has blown up in their faces and people are no longer buying all this propaganda that they've spent decades trying to impose on people to make them fall into line with the New World Order agenda. So... Things are changing. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of developments this year. And I hope to God that Trump gets in in 2024, that the deep state can't stop him winning the White House back when he can then reverse all these policies that have been imposed on the people by resident Biden. And, of course, as I've said many times, this may be a movie that we're watching and in reality the White Hats are in control and are doing this just to wake enough people up that the change in the world is going to be embraced and not rejected by people who are still fast asleep and believe in this idea that's being promulgated by the left that Trump is a dictator, far from it. In fact, it's become obvious that it's the left and the rhinos and the deep state minions who are the dictators, not Trump and the MAGA Republicans. So I'm very encouraged. I think as long as we keep our eye on the prize, as I always say, we have great power with our collective consciousness. And I do believe that the tide is turning. Definitely.
So that's all I have time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll join me for next week's Cosmic Creating Show. Thank you to Nancy for producing. So until next time, stay well, be safe and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality, a production of CosmicReality.com.